sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. It's not your wife. It's not your kids. It's not your neighbor. And it sure isn't your boss. Only we understand you. We are your friends. You're listening to The Winning Edge. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. Another beautiful day in the neighborhood. A beautiful year in the neighborhood. January 4th, 2021. Let's cock-a-doodle do it. This is the early line right here on SportsGrid, giving you the edge. I'm the spitting statistician, Dane Martinez. And as usual, I got my main man, Kevin Walsh, burning the candle at both ends, trying to give you all the information you need to make it a profitable day. And we will fundamentally try to put the fun and functional sports content at the same time. Kevin, we have reached... The end of the regular season. The NFL is so excited that they got 256 games in, you know, with an abundance of caution, as always. And now as we stand here, heading into the playoffs, Kev, before we get into the games, like, how does it feel? How you doing? Happy New Year, brother, man. A happy New Year to you as well. I mean, it's it. Listen, it was a road to get here. We hope that there are no lingering... Uh, effects of it all but we do have the brackets set 14 playoff teams some teams we're excited about they're playing great football others are there uh, and right. all in all uh, I'm pumped to you know get into the playoffs dive uh, into the quality of football these teams are playing talk about the bracket find it uh, the value in the futures market and you know in order mm-hmm. to do that you have to evaluate week 17 uh, the week that was uh, a week that had plenty of surprises and you know some other things that you, you certainly could see coming a mile away Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting. I've been thinking about when I was off, like what horses I want to ride on in specific conferences, right? And don't you know it, Kev, two of the teams that I like most in the AFC are playing each other this weekend. And so there goes that idea. But you talk about um, the great quality of play that we are seeing. And so that takes us to the first game that we got to discuss and kind of the first, you know, element of the playoff bracket, the good old NFC East, which crowned its champion in the final regular season game, Kev, and to get everybody caught up, this was crazy. There was literally a universe where all four NFC East teams would finish with 10 losses. Hmm. That is crazy to me. If Philadelphia won, we would have had three 6-10 and ten teams and won five 10-1 and one team, all with 10 losses, all you know, worrying about kind of the schedule for next year, where they fit in the draft order. But one of them had to be the division champ for this year. Now, earlier in the day, we saw the Cowboys and the Giants play, and the Giants won to go to 6-10, and 10, knocking the Cowboys down to 6-10. and 10. Then, depending on the result of Sunday, night football we had either the giants or the football team as the nfc east champions and 
Interestingly enough, the Washington football team under Alex Smith get the job done, Kev. On the other side, Philadelphia started Jalen Hurts, but then in the second half with the game still in doubt, decided that they wanted to see Nate Sudfeld. Talk to me about this decision. Talk to me about how you felt as an Eagles fan, how you thought Giants fans who were watching with bated breath felt, and ultimately if, uh, you know, if you thought it was the right decision. What do you think about Sunday Night Football? It was an incredible scene. As we bring our radio audience in here, we appreciate everybody joining us here on the grid. Kevin Walsh and Dane Martinez, this is the early line. The Philadelphia Eagles had the rest of the NFC East in their hands, right? Everybody watching. The Giants trying to get to the playoffs. Washington trying to get through them. Dallas wondering how upset they need to be about losing their Week 17 matchup to the New York Giants. And the Eagles went out there and... They were competitive. They almost had a first-half lead, trailing 17-14. Jalen Hurts throwing the football was not fantastic, but on the ground, two rushing touchdowns, was making plays, and certainly was giving his team the best opportunity to win it. And then things started to take a turn. After an incredible interception by Epps, the Eagles had a goal-to-go situation. And on fourth and goal, the Eagles... Al Michaels did not like the Al Michaels did not like that decision. He said, forget about the math. (laughs) Right. Al Michaels is wrong. All Giants fans should have been very happy the Eagles went for that. Because as you could clearly tell, and I saw this, you you know, some people saying that's as close as the Eagles are going to get. So Giants fans blame Doug Peterson for not, you know, taking the three. Hey, if that's as close as they're going to get, score 17-17, and the best-case scenario is a tie, you're not making the playoffs anyway, right? So let's be realistic. You either punch that in, take a four-point lead, force in Washington's hand, Tinny Day touchdown, or it is what it is. I didn't like the play calling there, but ultimately, to a lot of people's surprise, I actually saw these rumors a little bit. I guess that's kind of a curated timeline around Philly that Nate Sudfeld could find his way into the game. And that was Jalen Hurts' final possession. And the the tanking and not tanking and this, that, and the third. Look, it was an odd way to go out. As an Eagle fan, I would have loved to see Jalen Hurts have that opportunity to go out there and win that football game. The difference between the sixth pick and the ninth pick is not insignificant. I think getting to see Jalen Hurts play in that situation, though, I would have made that trade-off. Certainly right. the organization didn't think that was the trade-off. Doug Peterson, after the game, made the point. He goes, Zach Ertz, Brandon Graham, we still have guys out there playing. and He's not wrong, but I also don't think anybody could make an argument that Jalen Hurts didn't give him a better chance to win that game over Nate Sudfeld. And that's the guy you really want to see to learn about for the franchise. But now I know the Washington football team is there in the playoffs. Who joins them? We'll talk about it when we come. Since you were a little kid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We're everywhere. Radio, the internet, TV, satellite, and our mobile app. We make it easy. Like, real easy. 
In fact, if you're not listening, it's you. It's always you. Slacker. We are the Sports Grid Radio Network. Welcome back, everybody, right here to the early line. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. We're talking about Sunday night football. And, Kev, you know, it always happens. Ironically, we spent all our time talking about the decision to go to Sudfeld, take Jalen Hurts, the promising rookie, out for the Philadelphia Eagles. Let's talk about the NFC East champions for a second here, Kev, because the Washington football team is actually the team that's in the dance, and we didn't really talk much about them. What do you think about their you know, candidacy. I mean, they are hosting a playoff game next week. We all understand the story that Alex Smith is, but he didn't really look amazing as a playoff quarterback to me. I'll tell you what did look good and what will probably work in the playoffs is that defense led by Chase Young, not only on the field, but on the sidelines as well as a true leader for this team. You know, it can happen anywhere, Kev. What about the idea that this Washington football team will be hosting a playoff game next week what do you think about them you know as a team and as their performance as they head into the tournament so here here are the few things i think about washington one is the alex smith story is incredible and i don't think it is wrong to you know kind of Goo goo gaga over that. It's okay to drum up how incredible a guy who almost lost his leg going to a playoff sure. game is, even if he hasn't played well. Simultaneously, we can acknowledge Dana, and at some point we might rank the top 14 quarterbacks in terms of the trustworthiness right. that we have in them into this postseason. He likely ranks 14th. It's not a slight. Somebody had to rank 14th, and the immobility that he has is a piece of yeah. the puzzle, right? With that being said, this defense is really, really good. We can tell that. And that is a product, not in t- not only, but certainly in large part, due to how good Chase Young is. And listen, you know, Dane, obviously you've been watching the National Football League longer than I have, but can you remember a, a rookie coming in and just this level of impact. I know we've seen big years before, right? Marshawn Lattimore was incredible his first year, a couple years. I mean, it it happens. But Chase Young has come in. Like, you try and draft franchise quarterbacks. The Washington football team has the face of their franchise for the next 10 years in number 99. No, I agree. And remember, Kev, I remember going back to doing draft shows with you, bro. Right. And we were talking about how, oh, Chase Young is probably actually the best football player in the draft when you norm for the kind of positional value. Right. And and we have certainly seen that. I'm trying to think back. And the names that come to mind for me are things like a Troy Palomalu coming in. Right. Or an Ed Reed kind of thing coming in at that position. But at the pass rush position, I think you're absolutely right. You know, the Bosa brothers came in and made a huge impact. But remember, Chase Young from that same school that we'll probably talk about a little bit this week as well. (laughs) And they thought that Chase Young was the best of the three. So the Washington football team is there. We'll talk about the lines and their opponents and all that. They will be one of two home dogs in wild card weekend that we will get to at some point later on down the week. But I want to talk about the other games that help solidify the NFL playoff bracket. And so the next game I want to talk about had two teams out west battling the Rams and the Cardinals. The Rams get this win 18-7. to And listen, we knew the idea of the Philadelphia quarterbacks were going to be interesting, but we wound up in this game with quarterbacks that, you know, like Streveler and Walford. We knew Jared Goff had surgery, right, on the finger, on the thumb, and they did that purposely because they wanted to try to have him rest. 
last week and this week and potentially be back if and when the Rams had a playoff game. Well, they will have a playoff game after their victory. Kyler Murray, on the other hand, was kind of touch and go there for uh, a lot of the game, and they lost their opportunity. You know, Still, I, I would say they definitely still took a step forward this year, right, Kev? You know, they go to 8-8. Eight and eight. They were playoff-threatening the entire time under Murray and Kingsbury. But ultimately, throughout part of that season, the expectations shifted a little bit. Tell me what you thought about the end of season for these Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, I, I think that's where it's... it's if, if you wrote a book on the Cardinals, right, it's a... It's a long book, and giving it a grade is difficult because right. if I told you that they went 500, finished third in the NFC West, and were alive in Week 17, you would take that. But, Dane, there was a point that they were the number one spot in the NFC West. I mean, this team was 5-2 and right. two and closes 8-8. Eight and eight. Now, I think it is absolutely fair to wonder what happens if Kyler Murray stays healthy for the rest of the right. season? We know he wasn't right. That's not an excuse. We know that for a fact. And the unfortunate thing is, though, you still want your top guy out there, even if he's not 100%. And Kyler couldn't even finish this game. In fact, Kyler hardly, hardly started the game. He played the first yeah. drive shortly after Wofford yeah. throws an interception. Next thing you know, I'm doing in-game live. Touchdown, Strevler. And that is incredible. Like, what's going on? I mean, it's 7 nothing. but now you're like, can they hold? And eventually, Strevler right. gave that pick back, and eventually, Kyler Murray's like, look, I gotta, I gotta see if I can gut this thing out. And I mean, 8 for 11, 87 yards, but he just, he wasn't right. He had one play, Dan, where he tried to take off running. It just didn't even somewhat resemble the same play. Right. Yeah, no, I hear you. And, you know, Kev, I say this all the time, that disappointment is a function of expectation, right? Yeah. And so at the beginning of the season, whatever you had as expectations for the Cardinals, if I, like you said, if I tell you that they finished 500, that there were times when Kyler threatened, you know, maybe for a week or two, the offensive player of the year, the MVP conversation, that the arrow was pointing up, all that stuff, you'd be like, okay, I'll take it as I continue to ascend with Kingsbury and Murray, right? But then if I asked you, mm -hmm. I don't know, call it in week eight or nine, and I tell you that the yes. Cardinals finished eight and eight and blah, 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 you would say, uh, you would be a little bit disappointed, and I do believe that is a function of expectation. But now, Kev, what are the expectations for the Rams who do get into the tournament? I got to tell you something. Jared Goff better come on back because this was not an impressive performance by the Los Angeles Rams, and I look at even things like their running game, Kev. You know, Akers, who was back, they gave him the rock 21 times. He only mustered 30. <laughs> four yards out of this yeah. right like how much of it is due to having the backup quarterback you know the defense was still there but in the same way i asked you about the football team talk to me about the candidacy of the rams yeah. in this tournament so 21 carries for 34 yards from cam makers is a hilarious stat line i think we <laughs> will give him a pass for it though because i don't think the cardinals were uh paying no, no, too no, much yeah. attention they to have 53 Wofford. men in the box 53 men yes, in the box. exactly exactly <laughs> it's like is that cliff kingsbury at, at right outside <laughs> right. linebacker right. like they were yeah they, they were loaded now wofford he didn't look 
horrendous, right? And I, it's weird, but Dane, this has been a season of Nate Hinton and Ben DiNucci. Wofford, you know, was yeah. significantly better than anything that those guys were bringing to the table. Had a little bit of athleticism, 56 yards on the ground. Uh, again, the one interception was costly. It led to the only Arizona points of the game. Uh, I did speak last night to the pro football doc, Dr. David Chow, uh, who said that he is optimistic about Jared Goff's potential availability for the playoffs, which I think is necessary. And you can see that through the Cam Akers stat line, right? Just to make Seattle yeah. respected a little bit more. And Dan, I know yeah. we're probably not going to get much into the Seahawks Niners game, but listen, and we've been talking about. Defensive performance. I mean, they can win that game, honestly, with Wofford at quarterback. The Seahawks just. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. next week as the Rams will take on division foe Seattle up in the Pacific Northwest. Let's figure out the rest of the NFC bracket. A very interesting game here in the NFC North, which happened where the Green Bay Packers go into Chicago and get the job done, keeping the Bears under eight and a half season win total, which is great for me. Continuing to look like Aaron Rodgers may be the most valuable player in the league, which also helps the spitting statistician out. They win 35 to 16 and kev honestly you know back in the day like in the 80s and 90s there was this term of like the triplets right even the steelers had this with the killer bees at some point i gotta ask you you know this side of kansas city um is there any triplets better than aaron Rodgers, aaron jones and Devontae adams these days right like aaron Rodgers. At this point, minus money to win the MVP award. Devontae Adams literally breaking records in terms of kind of like production per game this season. Yeah. When you think about the touchdowns that he had in terms of the games he played. Aaron Jones maybe still somehow under-respected in the NFL. You know, one of the top backs. I mean, when they've got those three guys humming and they have chemistry between Aaron Rodgers and play calling with LaFleur, you know, this offense is deservingly one of the best in football. Yeah, I don't know if it is LeBron Wade Bosch or hmm. LeBron AD KCP. I don't want to be respect uh, disrespectful to Aaron Jones. It's just the other two are arguably the best at their position. And Aaron Jones is a running back. Is a pro bowler. He's a pro bowler. Yeah, but like so is Evan Ingram. Like that, they pretty much should cancel the whole Pro Bowl thing. Let's just stick to all pros. But nevertheless, he does get the touchdown and the win. There were two big turning points in this game. MBS drops a touchdown pass that would have put Rodgers at 12 for 12, somewhere between 220 and 240 yards, and four touchdown passes. And Rodgers was visibly frustrated. And that happened against Carolina as well. A dropped pass, he was furious, and they basically couldn't move the ball the rest of the game. The Bears, though, gave it right back. And not the Trubisky interception. We might disagree a little bit on the Eagles' decision to go for it on fourth and goal from about the six-yard line. I can't imagine, though, 
we would disagree that the Bears kicking a field goal down eight, 21 to 13 on fourth and goal from the two was the right decision. There is no way that's the right decision. You are going up against Aaron Rodgers. You now. I doubt oh, yeah, they it was were one scoreboard score. watching, right, and saying, oh, Arizona's going to lose, we'll take the three. I can't imagine that was the case for the Chicago Bears. There's no world where you could argue to me that that decision to take those three points was the right move. Both plays were very tilting for overbetters. Luckily, though, uh, good, you know, our friend Aaron Rodgers pushes this thing over the pylon, and Green Bay finishes with the number one spot, and Rodgers pretty much, to me, Locks up the MVP award. 48 touchdown passes. He probably could have had 50 uh, if he pushed the pedal in a couple more games. Yeah, absolutely. And when it comes to the MVP race, you know, part of what we talk about when it comes to value of a player is what you have around you, right? I mean, when we talk mm-hmm. about Patrick Mahomes, right, that has a, uh, a Kelsey, a Hill, multiple running backs, right? Even other weapons like a Watson or, I mean, a Watkins or a Hardman, you know, like he has all the weapons. What has been the narrative around Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers? Remember, we were lambasting the organization after draft night for not getting mm-hmm. him even more support. And then and he turns those into, like you said, almost 50 touchdowns and helping Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams, ascend to new heights as well. He continued and uh, capped off his season with a 19 of 24 performance, five incompletions, four touchdowns thrown. Talk to me, though, because these Bears who lose to finish 8-8 eight and eight still do sneak yeah. into the playoffs as the seventh seed. They're in the tournament, Kev, right? So they're going to go on the road. They're going to have to play the Saints in the Dome. Already, the Saints are almost double-digit favorites in this one. But in the same way that we have talked about all these other teams, right? Talk to me. And we know about the Packers. They're the one seed. The the, the road is going to go through Lambeau in late January with the presumptive MVP sitting there waiting for you. Talk to me about the Bears, though. I have seen the Bears play the Saints. I have seen that matchup at times over the last few years. If it's outdoors on grass, I give the Bears a chance. This one won't be. Talk to me about the candidacy of the Chicago Bears. So we talked about the Cardinals book on their season. I don't know if we have yeah. enough paper to write. Oh, the roller coaster ride, right? I mean, they were five and one. This season, I have never seen something pay off where I feel like both parties were absolutely <laughs> correct, kind of. Because my, I think, oh, there's so many of them, Kev, that I can bring up. But this is, this is, but that's a good point. I, there's, uh, we've had like a hundred arguments where we're both like, I think we were both correct. But uh, the reason why I was pounding the table for this five and one team that clearly wasn't the best team in the league is, I'm like, Dane, they only can like. They can do next to nothing and make the playoffs. And you were like, yeah, but they're going to do nothing. And both things happened. They did nothing. That's how you back in, in, right? But then they made the playoffs, right? And you look at the group that's going, and you compare it to even the 5-1 and team. This is a team that's playing better football. They're now, you know, a little bit more feared on the off, and crazily enough, on the offensive side of the ball than the defensive side of the ball, which is out of this world. And how much of a chance you give them against the New Orleans Saints, some of that might lie on Kamara and the running back room Mm. for the Saints. Some of that just rely on the Saints' inability to close the door when we get to the postseason. But the Chicago Bears, have 
They have put up points here, and they left points on the board, I would say, only putting up 16 in this game against the Green Bay Packers. You know, we're going to look back on this year, and I think we're going to see them next year roll out Nagy and Trubisky again. And there was a point in the season, Dane, where if I told you that, you'd have laughed me off right. air. If I didn't laugh myself off air before finishing right. that sentence. That's likely going to be the scenario for them. We'll see if this close to the season ends up costing the Bears another year or got this team an opportunity to find out that maybe Trubisky isn't all that bad and maybe Nagy is better than people think. I don't know, but we'll see. I guess that's possible, Kev, but I have seen so many times where this little run like that turns out to be fool's gold for the following year. Think about the Atlanta Falcons last year, right? They were like, oh, let's give Quinn another chance. That didn't work out that well. I've seen stretches where Jimmy G was amazing at the end of the year, where Drew Locke looked good at the end of the year, right? Mm. And those are not necessarily then, you know, uh, they, they convince you. For the short-term future, but then only wind up kicking the can down the road. I've seen Blake Bortles do the same thing in the past as well. But I digress. Let me ask you, though, because you're right. The the, the Bears will be there. Um, we talk about uh, going into Week 17 and how those performances uh, either kind of stick with teams, uh, build momentum, or, you know, have repercussions and i want to ask you because we didn't get sets to talk going into week 17 kev were you are you a guy that's like play all the starters go out there go for it or like oh i want to rest a little bit because i have two situations where i think it really paid off well and one where it was not so good like for example in buffalo the Buffalo Bills went out there mm. and Josh Allen planted a flag. They were riding the momentum that they had. They were rounding into form. They could have rested people, but Josh Allen went out there. Stefan Diggs went out there and they put up a number right out there to keep the momentum going. Isaiah McKenzie going crazy. People saying Josh Allen bolstering maybe his third or fourth place finish in the MVP voting, right? But then on the other side, going back to the NFC, we have Tampa Bay. And Tampa Bay, who was pretty much locked into kind of one of those top wild card spots, they will be going to the Washington football team. Mike Evans gets banged up in a non-contact knee injury. They say it's a hyperextension. They say that they are a little bit hopeful that he'll be okay. But I've seen this happen before, right? Wes Welker will go down with an ACL in Week 17 when the team needed it. Where, where do you fall on that? Keep the mojo going like Buffalo did, like maybe some other sides we saw, or risk injury and the whammy happened in Tampa when it relates to Mike Evans. How do you view that? And then it gives you an opportunity to talk about uh, Tampa. I know you're still unimpressed, right? Well, th this is the thing, Dane. I, I just think that people shouldn't ever criticize this stuff with hindsight, right? Okay. I don't think that it is because we know the risks going into it. And I will say, and I know it's not a great answer, but it's something that I've struggled with a, a lot, just forever. Hmm. Like I, The fact that the Chiefs are now going to be off for two full weeks isn't like my favorite thing right. in the world for the Kansas City sure. Chiefs, right? Of course, you wish you avoided the Mike Evans thing, but this team went out there. They put up 44 points. They feel good about themselves the way the offense is playing. I mean, how 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 good does Buffalo feel, right? 56 yeah. points in the season yeah. finale. They have to be feeling incredible. 
it's something where I understand both viewpoints. I think there's probably somewhere a cap in the game where you acknowledge and you look around and say, okay, we've done our part here. And I, I think if you say you want to play guys in the first half, I think that's more than acceptable. I will tell you this about Tampa Bay, okay? Because I don't want to find myself getting suckered in to the 4-0 stretch that I predicted. I think the one thing, though, that could see that happen is the best wide receiver this league has had over the last decade possibly be returning to form. That's a game changer because that dude is one of the best that's ever done it, and he's on fire. There's no shortage of weapons that TV12 will have in the tournament, and he's familiar with them as well. We'll talk about it more when we come back on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody, right here to the early line, giving you the edge on Sports Grid. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. And Kev, we've talked about like the candidacy of most of these NFC playoff teams. You know, Tampa could be rounding into form with the support of Antonio Brown, who would be a nice little replacement for Mike Evans. They do say that it looks like a hyperextended knee for Mike Evans, but they are hopeful that he will be able to play in the wild card weekend. There is one other team that we haven't really talked about. Um, so far in the NFC, and it's the New Orleans Saints. The New Orleans Saints got the job done. They beat Carolina, but here's what I want to talk about, because I haven't spoken to you in about a week, a week and a half. Happy New Year, Kev. Um, I literally was in a final, Kev, where an opponent had Alvin Kamara and Mike Evans and lost to me, and lost to me, because while down by 60 on Monday night, the combo of Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs did enough, right, to make it happen, but I bring up Evans and Kamara, because not only was Evans injured in Week 17, threatening his availability for the playoffs, but Alvin Kamara, he of the six touchdowns, he of the getting fined because of his Christmas cleats, he is also an interesting case of availability, Kev. He has tested positive for COVID. As you know, the Saints' like entire running back room was down Week 17. They go to Ty Montgomery, they go to Taysom Hill, which were just fine, but here's the catch. Because of, you know, the NFL policy of it all. Did you see this? That Kamara, if the Saints game was on Saturday, Kamara would not have been able to have been available and come off the list in time. However, Sunday gave him enough days, and if there's no other problems, Alvin Kamara will be up and cleared and available for the Saints game against these Chicago Bears that we were just talking about. And what do you know? Mm -hmm. The Saints play on Sunday. So, I had asked the doc about this last night, and he was saying he doesn't understand how Kamara is available either way, that it was supposed to be 10 days, which I also heard other people say. I similarly, though, saw the report that you're mentioning that Sunday he's good, Saturday he's not. All in all, I have no idea whether Alvin Kamara is going to be available for the New Orleans Saints against the Chicago Bears. I have absolutely none. Here's what I do know about the New Orleans Saints. They enter the postseason playing weird football. You just take their That's final true. four games, right? 
That is the true. The two hundred yard rushers that they gave up against the Eagles. The Chiefs play a C level game and score thirty two on them in Breeze's return, where it took him eight passes to complete one and then finish the game, going six of seven on a late touchdown drive. Kamara goes for six scores on Christmas. They give up thirty three. Was that a product of the game or was the defense still questionable? And then right. in the season finale, they force Panthers quarterbacks, two of them, both P.J. Walker and Teddy Bridgewater, to combine for five interceptions. Ultimately, the Saints are the two seed. They finish 12-4, and four, solid season. Brees throws three touchdowns. But it's yeah. really been a year where we kind of look around, and, and if the Saints go out there with no Kamara, you'd think the rest of the running backs could come back because that's more contract tracing. Michael Thomas is going to play, but... I mean, Dane, What's he you been? talk about yeah. a guy. I mean, this guy shattered records. Yeah. Even when he's been available, it's not been the same Michael right. Thomas. Also, I mean, when was the last time this guy really played with Drew Brees? It's actually been quite a while. I think maybe since week one. Week actually, one. was the last time MT and Drew Brees. And, they, <laughs> yeah. and, and I think Michael only had like three catches yeah. in that game. Like, he right. was terrible, right? So the Saints, and I think that's really the only way. They are just playing in a weird level of football. I not too high, not too low. The Bears plus the points. I could see a lot of people leaning that way. Trubisky's dead and they're gonna run him out of the building. Right. I can see a lot of people leaning that way. The Saints are gonna be a really interesting team to follow in the postseason. No, they absolutely are. And, you know, getting that win ultimately and getting the two seed as we look down the road. And I know a lot of things will have to happen and we don't want to string assumptions together. But, you know, if in the second weekend they are seeing okay, the three seed, the Seahawks, right? Like that game being in New Orleans is a lot different than that game being in Seattle, in my opinion, whether there's fans there or not. Remember, Kev, I asked you, we got to figure out all of these home stadiums. Who is going to have 6,000 fans, no fans, 13,000 yeah. fans as we start to break is down during the week, right? Like in New Orleans versus Seattle versus Washington or Pittsburgh or Buffalo because uh, even Governor Cuomo here in New York said there's going to be a special dispensation for the Bills Mafia. So that's going to be something to look at once we start seeing those point spreads for Wild Card Weekend. Kev, let's start looking at the AFC, right? Because the AFC picture was so interesting, right? We knew there were a lot of teams that you know, had their position already kind of certified. Kansas City, Buffalo, and Pittsburgh went into Week 17 already having qualified for the playoffs. Then, mm. Kev, in this year where we were going to have seven teams, going into yesterday, there was the potential for an 11-5 and team to be left on the outside looking in if they all took care of business. Four of the five teams did take care of business. Getting that win, a big-time Moneyline parlay, would have been good yesterday. Someone I know said that on Pro Football Today. But let's start looking at these teams and their candidacies. And, Kev, I start with the Baltimore Ravens. J.K. Dobbins, the house elf, continuing to show up and show out 160 yards, two touchdowns. Talk to me about Lamar. Kev, because Lamar's season, when we're talking about writing the story and the ups and downs and how I always like to say that disappointment is a function of expectation. The man had COVID. The man was battling a knee injury. Now, all I know is that the Ravens stand at 11 and 5. And even though they are the five seed, they have the third best odds to win the AFC. It seems like nobody wants to get in front of the Baltimore Ravens. Who has it better than them, Kev? 
I mean, how could you want to get in front of this team? Uh, they are playing good football on both sides of the ball, and Lamar looks like Lamar, especially on the ground. Back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons. We can't take that for granted, man. We cannot take that for granted. When people evaluate quarterbacks and they go, oh, give me quarterback Y because he can throw the ball Mm -hmm. back. It doesn't matter, guys. Like, Lamar versus Jared Goff is not a conversation to even entertain because of what Lamar can do on the ground. But he's also been throwing it a little bit better. Hollywood Brown, Mr. Touchdown himself. Like, all the seat. Like, and yeah. this is where it's going to be one of those things. And you know this, Dane, in the fantasy community, right? Those final numbers, mm-hmm. right? People like, ah, Hollywood Brown finishes wide out, not ballparking here, yeah. wide out 24. It's like, yeah, but right. he's the worst wide year. receiver all year long, and I missed out on the playoffs because I had this guy, right? But he's just touchdown, 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 touchdown. The, the, my favorite part is who they play, the Titans. The, I mean, that's what I, 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 I love narratives. I love stories. I like yeah, when it is scripted I, out. It couldn't be any better, Dane. It couldn't be any better. I, oh, I can't wait. I cannot wait. And here's my problem. I think you know. I said this at the beginning of the show. I, 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 even before I went on vacation, I was telling you I was looking for the team that was equipped to beat Kansas City. And I thought one way to try and do it was to do what the Raiders did, right, and try and just be dynamic and have a shootout. The other way, I believed that the Baltimore Ravens and the Tennessee Titans were kind of the best, maybe even Cleveland, were best equipped to do, which was to punish <laughs> them and pound them in the mouth, right? And now the Titans and the Ravens. Ravens will face each other. Kev, you just talked about back-to-back 1,000-yard rushing seasons for Lamar Jackson, right? Mm-hmm. And how that needed to be respected. And how, and, and Kev, for months we have talked about the run game, running backs, the value of the position, the value of the run game, what it does yeah. for defenses, committees, timeshares, quarterbacks, running. We have talked a lot about the running game. But Kev, if Lamar Jackson going back-to-back seasons of a thousand yards as a quarterback is impressive, and mm. it is, then talk to me about how Derek Henry continues to like hop over lofty expectations. I say disappointment is a function of expectations. I have Davis Maddock on shows being like, there's no way he outperforms his DFS price. I have you being like, yeah, he would need to get 175 and a touchdown for it to work. And he does going into week 17. Derek Henry needed 223 yards to get over to 2,000 for the season. He is now back-to-back seasons, right? Most carries, most yards, most touchdowns after, Kev, a 250-yard effort with two touchdowns. And here's the key, Kev. He needed every single one of those carries, every single one of those yards, every single one of those touchdowns. And the Titans, albeit with a piss-poor defense, they are in the tournament, and winter is coming, Kev. It sure is. Listen, if we rewind the tape to some of the early line programming in the middle uh, of you know the year where we were looking through the futures market— Derrick mm-hmm. Henry to win the rushing title was plus money. And I made the argument to you that it should be minus money. And one of the things is that last year, with Ryan Tannehill under center, he was on a 2,000-yard rushing pace. And now, with a full season with Ryan Tannehill under center, and this offense playing at an incredibly high level all year long, he notches 2,000 yards. 
The Texans fans have to be absolutely over this guy because I believe three of his last four games against the Texans, he has gone for 200 yards. (laughs) Dane, he ran for 252 scores. Nobody was surprised. Nobody I know. Was I know. Was, oh yeah, like it was. It was oh, like, oh, he, sounds, he can get there. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was. Oh, yep, sounds about right. That is how we saw that playing out. So, uh, and Derrick Henry is always going to be something that I feel like, Dane, when our kids ask us, "How did Derrick Henry go in the second round?" Or how come mm. Derrick Henry was the? And I don't know which running back. You know, the fifth running back. Yeah, yeah, yeah I got you. Yeah. He. He ran for 2,000 yards at Bama in a season, right? Was the Heisman, obviously, and everybody was like, ah, he's irrelevant. We come into the NFL. The league has never been more important to throw the football. Running backs mean nothing. And Derrick Henry is going to finish top five in MVP voting. And now, listen, I obviously would still never give him that vote, but still... It's just, but he deserves to be in the conversation crazily enough in this passing league, Kev, in this passing league, right? And that is the key, right? Because you're absolutely right. And I'm not trying to go back to whatever, right? But but in this passing league, he really is unique. He is unique in what he's got to be offensive player of the year. He has it's, to be offensive player of the year. It is it is a remarkable season that Derrick Henry put together. And I think that the Tennessee Titans one-two punch of Tannehill and Henry is noteworthy. Because this is the thing, right? As much as we can go back and forth on the right hand or the left hand, the yeah, reason yeah, yeah. why the Titans are, are averaging either the most or the second most points per game points is because they yeah. have both hands. It's because right. with the season on the line right. and everybody 100% positive, that 22 is going to get the football, 17 has the yeah, ability to keep roll. And, walk, <laughs> and walk into right. the end zone. That's, That's right. the thing that makes the Tennessee Titans so good. And remember, we talked about this, Kev, right? We talked about it. They get to do whichever way you want to play us. You want to respect Derrick Henry, bring these safeties down. I'll go over the top to A.J. Brown. I got Corey Davis. I can run myself, right? And then the inverse is also true. I got to ask you, though, Kev, like this offense is humming. They're top three in the Mm -hmm. NFL. Derrick Henry, you know, when winter is coming, people may make business decisions, right? When we come back, I want to ask you, like, is the defense just too bad to overcome? I know it is bad. It's very bad. bad. But let's talk about if it can be done. Is there a path for the Tennessee Titans candidacy? We've talked about all these teams so far. You like the way the Ravens are. They're going to have to see Derrick Henry and tackle him. We'll talk about that when we come back on the other side of the break. This is the early line. We're off and running. 2021. Bobble. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Is the SportsGrid Radio Network. And Kevin, as we finish up hour number one, Kev, you know where I'm going with this, right? Because I am trying to find, I got to tell you the truth. I'm trying to find any value to potentially be not Kansas City, <laughs> you know, in the AFC, right? And you know I've been interested yeah. in Baltimore, and they certainly look like they're rounding into form. And I noticed the Tennessee Titans are 16 to 1 right now. Yeah. And I know that they have the elements that on any given day, 
they can make you look real silly. They were up big on Kansas City even in the AFC Championship game. But as you know, their defense is blunt guts trash, right? So, like, can they get through winning games like they did yesterday? I mean, they can't stop anybody, but who wants to get in front of that train and stop King Henry? I mean, at the end, and that's the thing is, it's not just Derrick Henry, right? And they no, 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 it's the offense. It's the number one offense in the NFL. For, <laughs> the highest total on the board in the playoffs. I mean, they are just—it's a completely different brand of football. Now they were play; they did play a much lower scoring game against both the Patriots and I believe the Ravens game was lower scoring as well. I don't know if the but they pace controlled the clock. Down, they controlled it, but. Last year's defense was also wildly better. Here's the one thing, though, that I I have to bring up because I find it hilarious. Again, this is the the fun, the really fun thing about doing this entire season together is we get to both kind of you know evaluate how our opinions have changed. Seven teams in the AFC, six teams that aren't the Chiefs. I genuinely believe that you are interested in five of the six with the one team you are uninterested in was the team that was unbeaten for the first 11 weeks. And in the beginning of the year, it was like, no, listen, they can give that team a game. I think if you had to power rank your like interest in those teams, I think you're completely on the Steelers. Because all of these other AFC teams have elements that, and not only you, but I think a lot of people are going to find themselves really interested Interested in when they go through the bracket and what they bring to the table. Let me ask you something. We talked about tiers a lot, Kev. Mm-hmm. As we enter the playoffs, there are 14 teams left alive. Is it the Chiefs and then a tier of 13 teams? So think about it. And I want to ask you that when we come back. Maybe you like the Packers. I know they've been your horse the whole time. But is the Chiefs literally and then everybody else? Come on. Admit it. You do your own play by play in your head when you play horse.